Welcome to the Chef JKP podcast with me, James Knight Pacheco. My name is James Knight Pacheco. I will be your host, your guide and mentor on this podcast adventure. You will be discovering the inspirational stories of people who love food and hospitality, their ups, their downs, and everything else in between. These are some of the most talented individuals on the planet, so pay full attention, as there is a lot to learn and to take away from each episode. A special thank you to our lovely partners over at Gulf Food and Meals.me. For more information on who they are, please head over to the show notes. Let's get cooking. On the podcast this week, I talked to Courtney Brandt. She is an author and one of the most prominent food critics in the region. You may know her blog, Atazata. We discussed her foodie experiences, which is the best place to eat in the city, and what it takes to be a professional in her field. Listen out for a story regarding a trip to Bali and an apple. Time to rock and roll. Welcome back to the Chef JKP podcast. And on the show this week, we have the incredible Courtney Brandt. Courtney, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Right. So we have a lot to discuss and to get through. Uh, First of all, I would like to know how you became an author, a blogger and a food writer. So the author part goes back to 2007 when I published my first book. Uh, The food writer part kind of comes in uh, post-2015. I had worked at NYU Abu Dhabi. And when we moved from Abu Dhabi to Dubai uh, and I left my job and I thought I was going to write full time, but it turns out fiction writing is only a part of that. And uh, the food writing had always been a piece that I was interested in. I'd come up with the name Ada Zatar. I knew I had to do something with that. Uh, So I I started doing reviews and I started going out and I was late to the market. I mean, quite honestly, uh, if you look at the landscape in 2016, there were a lot of people already out there. So it was working about, you know, developing my voice, my craft um, and and being honest. And I think that if, if there's something I'm proud, it's it's that people associate me with genuine and and honest. So I might not have the most, you know, engagement or the most uh, viewers or followers, but I do have a lot of people's respect. And, and that's something that I'm very proud of. So we'll get to that a little bit later. But I would like to know, so 2007, you're talking about books. What type of books? So I am a total band geek. Um, There wasn't a fictional voice for kids in band. So um, that's where I started. And um, it was exciting. Those the first five or six books were all kind of young adult. And one was even optioned twice for film. I don't know. Keep your fingers crossed. Confessions of a Teenage Band Geek, if you're interested. Um, I also wrote in some, or I, I started writing as a more adult contemporary voice as well. And for this audience, maybe um, Room 702, which is a book about a fictional hotel. And each chapter is a night in the same room and all the things that happen in that room. Wow. Yeah. So then let's get to specifically the passion about food and travel. How did that come about? Um, I like to say my origin story uh, started with uh, an accidental trip to Copenhagen, which sounds a little pretentious, but it's true. So my friends and I were scheduled to go to Nepal. 
uh, there was a monsoon. And so kind of 24 hours out, we looked at where else we could go. And there was a ticket to Copenhagen. So we bought the tickets and we're all, you know, changing our packing and moving around. And in the background, we had on no reservations, um, Anthony Bourdain, of course, and he was in Copenhagen. And he went to Noma, which at the time was the best restaurant in the world. And I thought, wow, what if we could get reservations? Now, we're like 48 hours out. I somehow get a table for four on a Friday night, 7.30. Something w- was meant to be. In yes, Noma. In Noma. Like, number one number best one. restaurant. Like, people are showing up with luggage. Like, we just kind of rocked up. And do you know what it was? The experience to Noma for me was... Okay, this is some places I think you go and you see the three Michelin or you see all this stuff and you're like, oh, am I wearing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Am I using the right credit card? Whatever it is. At Noma, we're literally outside and we're like trying to like get a picture in front of the sign. And somebody just walks up and says, how many pictures do you want? I'm happy to take pictures for you. And accessing fine dining through the lens of, you know, a kitchen that cares and cooks and chefs that are just just love food. Like that's what it should be about. So A Disaster has always been a place where I'm trying to ask the questions, really, because food is subjective, would I go back? Is it worth the money? That's really all anyone can answer. And I'm trying to really be transparent about that process because um, whether you know it or not in Dubai, it's not really a best practice. But if you look at all of mine that are published, will say if I'm invited all of my hashtags on Instagram, the first hashtag, if I have not paid, is invited. And I think that that is worth mentioning because I don't think a lot of people do it. Very good. And the, the, the burning question is, would you return to Noma? <laughs> I would, absolutely. <laughs> now, from there, I think that um, I've had many other meals, some on the list, some not on the list. And I'm talking about the world's 50 best list, which is a good guide. And I was discussing this with some foodie friends recently. And really, to me, when I'm dining in a new city, it comes down to word of mouth. So if I'm going to even London or New York or someplace that's very well known, I would still go to chefs that had worked in those cities first. And then maybe I would look at the list. Because to me, I'm way more interested in maybe who your colleagues were or somebody's coming up or something like that to find kind of that better meal. Nice. And then... Talking about, you know, best restaurants in the world and all of that sort of thing, top 50 best. Could you give us an insight into what it's like into sort of dining in some of the best restaurants around the world and perhaps some of the chefs that you've actually visited or or had the chance to go to here in Dubai? It's been incredible. Dubai is just... uh... We see so much talent coming through, but I think, so when some people travel, you would have different hobbies, right? And for my husband, it's getting tattoos and for me, it's dining well, and we don't have children. So when we go places, that's my entire list. And I understand that not everybody sees fine dining as a hobby like I do, but I think that there are so few positions in the world where you get to, we have access to the best of the world and it's right there for you to to do. Now, if we said the best gardener or the best uh, like surgeon, you might not always have a chance to see that person, but with dining, you really do. You can just go out and spend that money. And to me, it's it's like the best way to spend money. So I wouldn't, I would always want an experience versus a thing. 
to answer your question, uh, in Dubai, you know, we've seen talent, um, the, the guys at uh, Trescent Studio, incredible talent coming through there. In fact, I'm hoping next week to get um, a seat, maybe at the media table. I don't know when this is going to drop, but I can assure you, Trescent Studio will have somebody else come through. Um, you know, Gagon came through um, a few years ago um, out of uh, Bangkok. Uh, we have um, out on the palm. Um, why am I blanking on his name? He's a French guy, and I've met him three times. Yannick. Yes, Yannick. Um, so there's you, there's opportunities. You just have to kind of be clued in and be aware. Um, obviously, you know, Massimo was here. I think last week uh, that. Yes, there's a price point that's associated with that. I would counter it's way cheaper than getting on an airplane. So if you want to have access to, you know, the master or somebody who's coming into the kitchen, um, you know, just pay attention because you can definitely in a year, even in a month, you could experience just a whole bunch. You just just kind of need to be aware of what's going on. And there, I mean, there are so many Michelin-starred chefs in Dubai anyway already. Yes. And more coming through continuously. It's it's a, it's a huge thing. It is. They're constantly here. And then the rumor of, will Michelin come, the guide come here? Yeah. It's a, it's a pay or play situation. <laughs> like, for people listening, it's not like, ooh, Michelin's just going to be nice and come over. If the city or the UAE wants to pay for that privilege, like California did a few years ago, you could do that. It just costs money. Yeah, I mean, this is this is another um, continuous uh, row I have with my chef team <laughs> and the Dubai Chefs Collective and anyone else who talks about food. It's a constant uh, Michelin thing, and I've been talking about it since 2012 here. So yeah, I don't. I mean, quite honestly, you know, a few restaurants might be. I see Bib Gourmand, and maybe one, maybe because if. I had a chance to visit Manresa, which is a three-star in California in late 2019, so right before we stopped traveling. Uh, and it is, it's just a different level. The I think, and and this is no slight against your team or anybody's teams here, service will and continue to be the biggest gap in the market, that service at true two and three stars. So I was lucky enough um, to go uh, to Gagon's restaurant in Bangkok before it closed. The front of house read my table, me and my guest, and the table next to us so differently of what we wanted our experience to be. You can't train it. You absolutely, it's like, it's innate of, we wanted to be in it. We wanted to talk. We wanted to see the kitchen. The table next to us had, they just wanted to check it off the list. And that's fine because the diner is paying enough that you should be able to have whatever experience that you want to have. Um, one little clue, and this is a trick to all the service people listening. Do you know what, you know what's missing in Dubai and around the world? The left-hand switch. I'm giving away a big one here. So I'm left-handed. One time in Dubai has somebody done the switch for me? And I'm happy to say it's one of my favorite restaurants, Hasaki at Bulgari. Within 90 seconds of me sitting down, the service was completely switched over for my hand. And I was just like almost in tears because it never happens. This goes to the top end of the world to notice that minor detail just to make me more comfortable. I was just like, a speechless. I was honestly speechless. Attention to detail yeah. is everything, especially when it comes to fine dining and and making the guests feel comfortable. Is absolutely everything. The experience uh, is absolutely paramount. Yes. So I agree with you. I mean, ninety seconds—that's good. Yes. So 
Watch out, everyone. Listen, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's an easy thing to do, too. Um, you know, I think it's, it's a, but people would remember that. This is three years on now, um, and it would be something that always sticks out to me. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Now, in your field mm-hmm. and in your view, what would you say makes a great food writer? Uh, so, somebody who has their own distinct voice um, and somebody who's not afraid to share an opinion. Um, It's a two-way street here because, hey, I've been blacklisted from certain PR companies um, and there are chefs that I would say the biggest thing they could work on is taking feedback. And you and I have discussed this offline that I could have a great meal, but if I want to tell a chef how to push that even further... They should be receptive to that. They they don't need to be receptive maybe to every single person who comes in, but it's my job to like know food, right? And that's something that I do. So if I get written off um, by a GM or a chef, if I'm coming to review specifically, it goes back to again, we're not we're the standards aren't there because it should be you've invited me into your place. I have something. I'm not trying, I'm never trying to break you down. I'm always trying to be constructive. Um, so I think good writers are uh, have an opinion and are constructive, not negative. I think that sometimes we think of, look, I'm an author. You can look online and look at my reviews. And, you know, there's negative feedback there. Of course there is, because not everybody's going to like everything I do. It's the chefs that take a risk or the authors even and the writers that take a risk to say something, whether or not it will be well received or not, even and the negative negative reviews I've published, I had to go, okay, what's going to happen after I do this? Am I writing off PR from this company for a year? Yes, that's happened. Uh, people, some people are very professional about it, but more often than not, it's it's not well received, and then you just get down the list. Why do you think that is? Um, because okay, so you could look at Samantha Fudiva. Um, she pays for all her meals. She has 100% every right to say anything she wants because she has paid for that meal. As an invited guest, I think that the line becomes blurred between me as content creator and me as food writer opinion person. I think the best relationships with PRs, chefs, kitchens, restaurants are those that understand what I'm trying to say or add and that I'm trying to add value. So I went to an Asian restaurant about a month ago. It was bad. It was really bad. And instead of publishing anything, publishing anything because I don't need to just be wildly negative about a place, I went and wrote 700 words back to the PR, knowing they would take that on. There's no, I didn't think there was any space for me to win from putting up a hugely negative review. That's not why I was invited there. So rather take this, you can do something with it and we're still friends and you're going to invite me back. Uh, But some places I'd have to be like, I don't know how this is going to go. Now that person followed up with me. I published something recently that wasn't great. Uh, I heard from different people that that was not well received from that particular company. And I wanted to go to them and say, you never followed up. You waited until the article dropped two months later. You you had, you had could have said 24 hours after a review, it takes nothing to go, how was it? Literally, you can WhatsApp me or call me or do anything. Uh, so I think that there's, I know, look, hey, PRs here are 
they're under pressure and restaurants are under pressure. And I get that. And you need to be seen and you need to have, you know, content out there. And I get that. But take time to also do the basics of your job and just say, hi, how was it? And then I tell you and then we could probably fixed it. But you didn't come to me. So I'm just going to keep going with that. But then you touched on a point about chefs and opinions and all that kind of stuff. So how what would you say specifically to so take PR out the way for two seconds. Now, chefs. Uh, I would say probably 90% of chefs are, are well known for having egos and not being able to take feedback and criticism, all of that kind of stuff. What would you say to the chefs who, who, who would come to you and say, look, it's okay for you to critique my food. However, you don't have any technical experience compared to my experience. How 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 would you tackle that? Hundred um, percent. I I definitely don't have the the skills or background in the kitchen. What I do have is five years of dining out three times a week, not only here but globally. So if I'm looking at you or your restaurant or your kitchen or your food, it's from a very educated place. I know what is in the market. I know how much things should cost. I know not even trends, but like what's been popular or dishes that have worked for me abroad, um, bringing that kind of skill set back. You can't replace all the hours I've spent in a restaurant and, and noticing all the ambiance and, and service that goes into something. Um, like that's, it's my cumulative. So hundred percent, I don't have the skill set you do. What I do have on the other side is just, you see me, dining out like, oh, that's so fun. Sure, but I'm doing it in a critical way, as in it's I'm there's an opportunity cost for any given night of the week for me. Um, three things are on tonight. I said yes to one. Me trying to balance it all, it you can't replace that. <laughs> no, absolutely. absolutely. Because I think the the other thing that uh and I'm a chef, so I need to be careful what I'm saying here. Yeah. But I think What's interesting is that chefs spend 12 to 18 hours a day in their kitchens. And when they're off, they're not necessarily dining out. They are too tired to do anything. So, and the fact that you just said your job is to dine out in with different experiences, different restaurants, different cultures, whatever that may be, that's the key difference. Um, because what I want to get onto now is, in your view, once again, do you think that we have enough food critics in the world or do we need more? Um, I think there's probably enough. I think there's just enough content out there now and so many platforms to view it on. Like it's almost overwhelming, I would say. Um, I think maybe we need more educated types. Um, I've been loving the Stanley Tucci um, um, Searching for Italy. Um, it's a series that's out right now. The six episodes are up. It's not a Bourdain voice, but how he he's such an enthusiast of he's Italian for both sides um, and his enthusiasm for approaching food, but the content. So he would, he would go see Massimo, but then he would go to like a soup kitchen and understand what the peasant food was like and why tomatoes and cheese and all these things are different. So I think that it's not like the specialization, but it's more, um, if we need more of anything, it would be people who 
aren't afraid to be opinionated, but then have the, the way to back that up, I guess, in a way. And I think also it's about understanding food. Which I'm still learning. I mean, of course, like, I mean, literally, I, my friends know this, like, I don't watch reality shows. I'm not judging anybody who does. The only reality show I will watch is anything related to food. So that could be a chopped, that could be a top chef, that could be a master chef, because they're speaking about food and they're making food. And this is the next, this is a home chefs and these are professional chefs. And I think that there's so much value in seeing what do they do when they have five minutes? What do they do when they have four hours? Um, I'm constantly learning from that type of thing. I'm like, yeah, there's podcasts, but for me, I prefer to consume the content about food via television or documentary. And as a food critic, do you cook? So I don't, which I know everyone's listening like, oh no, hypocrite. <laughs> um, so I, and I actually, I've started an article like three times, which is, can you love food and not be good at it? I can still appreciate you know, knife work and, and you know, all the balance of flavors and, and making sure as like, all the things that go into a dish, I can appreciate that. I think maybe I'd have a better appreciation if I was more of a cook, uh, but I'm a very impatient person and that, and, and to me, good cooking and real cooking requires a lot of patience, which I, so I'm like, when I want food, I'm just like, cool, let's make some eggs because that takes 90 seconds to I, I don't, I just don't have the patience for it. And my hat's off to anyone who's in the kitchen, who's developing a sauce, a rub, you know, uh, you know, cooking that protein for hours and hours and hours. Like I have nothing but respect for that. Just not for me. <laughs> it's interesting though, because I can imagine the same amount of work goes into writing books. Yeah. I, I, the books thing for me, it's so funny because I just write all the time. In fact, I was like right in front of me on my little notes is a book that I'm editing right now. So I keep up with my numbers. That's just something I've done as in you cook every day of your life and I write or edit every day of mine. Um, it's a skill set, right? So it's something you're called to do just like I'm called to write. And so I don't, it's, it's work a day in your life. No, love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. Well. <laughs> so, so you know what's quite interesting, Courtney, is that uh, all the food writers I talk to mm-hmm. and critics, they don't cook yeah. at all. <laughs> so, so it's a common threat. I'm in good company. So it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> now, I want to go into what I what we call the segment of the ratatouille moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, first of all, uh, two questions. Number one, what is your favorite ever? food memory so it could be from a childhood or uh, it could be from something you potentially could have cooked or, or tasted um number one and number two what has been your meal of a lifetime and why so i'm uh let's see the last time i saw my parents was november 2019 we're now into 2021 so i am just missing my mom's cooking. Um, she was a very uh, advanced home chef. She wasn't afraid to try different things. I mean, yes, I lived in the American South, so it's not like I was eating sushi, but she was uh, very accomplished. And so, you know, I we would have a three-course meal and we would have different things and we had to try it all. If there's one dish of hers, like, we just, I just love a basic grill, you know, with my parents. It's like, it's like a four hour meal. So you'd start with a cheese board and then drinks outside. And then my dad's at the grill making the steak and my mom's whipped up some amazing salad and, and then she'll probably make a cake just because. So I'm just thinking about this trip this summer, which inshallah I'm going to do. And 
to me, the food memory is is my mom's cooking for sure. Ah, uh, yeah, love that. yeah. Now my the fruit of a life, the meal of a lifetime. Um, it's not Noma. It's actually um, the eve of my thirty sixth birthday. We were in South Africa. And we went to Test Kitchen. And it's one of those, it's like, it was like the only one from Africa, the whole continent of Africa. Thanks world's 50 best, but it's the only one that's on the list. And, um, it was, it was like a, it was like a four or five hour meal. What made that so special? They, you would know from like a fine dining menu, you usually have this concept of snacks, which is like, you come in and like, you have a whole bunch of small bites to start for them. They have a dark room and then they have the, the main dining room. So they bring you into the space very chill, lights are down, whatever drinks you want. And then you're having only just beautiful, like course after course after course of tiny little snacks that are perfect. And then when you're ready, they take you in for the, the next courses. And we sat at the pass. And also in South Africa, I think that there's an extreme pride because the produce, the wine, everything, the proteins, they're right there. They don't have to go far. So from a concept of dining, just like, all the food's right there. The wine, like we went for the premium wine package and everything. And there's just so much pride, like in each course, like this is from this part and this is from that part. And I think, yeah, of course, like in other countries in the world, you would have access to that sort of protein and, and produce. But something about the test kitchen was so special. And it's it's in my top three meals anytime somebody asks me about it, for sure. And the burning question is, did they recognize the left hand? They did not, but it wasn't that sort of place. Like Test Kitchen is is a little less, I don't want to say, it's less formal. It's South Africa in general, so it's it wasn't that sort of place. But, um, and it's funny because I can only remember like one distinct dish. Like it's now I've eaten a lot of food later, but if I see pictures from it, like I'm instantly kind of taken back to it. Um, it was just end to end, every part of that meal high marks. Absolutely. And that kitchen is, is, what, is still one of the most recognized in the world. Yeah. It's a, you know, the, the, the team there are phenomenal. To get reservations, man. Like, this is the other thing about being a foodie and, and maybe musicians or people who like concerts can understand. So I had, like, you know, got this trip. This is when the tickets come online. I'm going to get it. Like, this is the only thing I want when we're in South Africa. Obviously, I want other stuff. But... Um, so I'm like, two top, let's get it. Let's get it. Like log in 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. Boom. Everything's gone. And I'm just like devastated. Now, when you stay at nice hotels, as I'm fortunate enough to do, I had just asked them sidebar, can you also please go for a table? And they got one. So they made it happen. So I think sometimes with these really high end places, you almost have to plan the trip sometimes around the dining place. Like if, if the restaurant can be that booked out, you might have to really do some math to get to get there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there, there are so many places like that. And as you said, I, I'm, quite, I'm quite surprised that you managed to get a, a table at Nomas in such short, short I, That one was, again, I think like... like a miracle. The, it, it was, and it started me on my path to doing this. So I think it was all meant to be. Really, really, I do. Yeah. Now, what I would like to do is um, I want to get onto one of your funniest um, travel or restaurant incidents, please. I have two. I was thinking about this. I was at Lokavor in Bali, which was and remains on the Asia's 50 best. And like you sit down and they have like this little plant. And I was like, ooh, I bet that's one of the things. Like, And so I like went to eat it. And, and then it was like, I totally ate it at the wrong time. And my husband's like, 
I don't know you. What are you doing? And then it was like seven <laughs> courses later, my little bit was gone. And I was just like, I was like, I don't even know how to recover from this. Like I'm supposed to be this like food writer and all this. Um, the other sad, sad story is I went to the Ages 50 Best um, uh, party or launch when we could travel so like 2017, 2018, the day of the party. So I've eaten so well across Bangkok. Amazing. And I was like at the gym have an apple, something on that apple. So just wild food poisoning, had to miss the whole party. Oh. And I was like, and I saw the pictures the next day. I was like, oh, like imagine the best of Asia is there. And like what that would have meant. And I was like, just dying in my room. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Wash the apples. Don't eat apples from a hotel. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. <laughs> now from, from all of your advice, well, who would you say, and, and from, from throughout your career, uh, who would be your top three, either culinary or journalist giants and why? So I kind of took this like in a different way because, I mean, yes, I read and I watch, you know, and, and I think there'll always be space for, you know, an Anthony Bourdain and that kind of level. But for me, on a more local level, um, I have, I think seeing the career of Chef Himanshu at Tristan Studio, I'm just going to be proud to have been like, just a, like seeing him and seeing how that's going to grow. So from a culinary standpoint, I just think literally, I just, we're just all going to sit back and watch. There's so much talent there uh, in that kitchen, like conceptualizing of things. It, it's just been so exciting to see season on season on season. It just better and better and better. Um, so that's been uh, amazing. Um, again, I'm gonna I, I referred to it once, but I'll refer to it again. I love I love the top chef team. I think that there's something very accessible that making food, yes, competitive isn't like the best aspect, but I think that there's diversity, uh, how they choose their chefs. Less like in in the seasons now, not the seasons before, where I think it was drama drama. This now it's like this is the best of the best, and watching it and and showcasing this talent. I know it's very U.S. based, and probably would be better if it was global. But for me, um, you know, Top Chef even more than like a James Beard or a World's Fifty Best or a Michelin. That's where I see the talent coming from, and again, that's where learning to speak about food and understand food. Um, I just think the world of, um, yeah, Top Chef and, and food media, which might not be a, you know, anticipated answer. And then I have, I have a little food crew here. Um, we're going out tonight actually. And unlike my book club, which barely talks about books, my food club really, that's all we talk about like for three hours straight. Um, so I respect all their opinions. Um, there's a few on there. Um, Sarah Headley-Heimers, uh, she and her husband are working through all the three stars in the world. Um, Liam Collins at EcoC and then Pallavi, um, who is, oh my God, she's so young and then just cares. So like I'm like, I wish I had been as young as you and started this journey. So in her 20s, she's going to Copenhagen and all the places there and, and making food a real priority. And it's so watching them and, and understanding their opinions. Like it's so great to have people that speak the same language that I do. So I think to me, it's less about, yes, of course I respect them. I think your, your network doesn't have to be like, Oh, look at these people. They're so amazing. Like 
make the friends that, that want to talk about the things you want to talk about and understand the things you're talking. I can get excited about the things you're talking about. Like I respect that while my husband will go and have a 15 course meal with me, he's not going to like, you know, geek out over it. Well, like some of my other friends will and we could get into the real, like, Oh, there's too much of this or I need more acidity or something like that. So um, yeah, I love my, my little food crew. Yes. And what, and uh, is it like fight club? It is not. Um, we just kind of came together and what is our, we, we have a WhatsApp group, which I won't give away our secret name, please but do, yeah, no, I can't, I can't. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, that's the fight club element of it, but no, you'll see us go out and um, no, I, I genuinely like, I think sometimes, especially in Dubai and maybe when you're an adult that you um, want things to cancel. I'm not saying that that always is the case, but with my food group, I'm always like, genuinely looking like it would never be something that get, would get canceled because i'm just i want to see these people and i want to talk about food for four hours straight so interestingly enough with this food group that you have mm-hmm. uh, there are it has been documented and we've spoken about it quite a lot extensively that there are around sort of twelve thousand restaurants in mm-hmm. dubai let alone the uae mm-hmm. um what type of restaurants do does your food mm-hmm. club visit pretty much whoever invites us i mean we can get i probably have the most invites at any given time not a humble brag it's just my job and so i'll ask them i've got here here and here where do you guys want to go and then we just kind of go from there um i would say pretty much the only thing it has to be is licensed yeah licensed. we do like a drink okay. yeah yeah and who complains the most no, but no, we don't work. No, because this is, again, we're, we're always constructive. So we would never, we might privately chat the next day in the group, but we would give direct feedback when and when and where. And we, we go to places um, that are receptive to that sort of thing. So um, sometimes it could be um, tonight would be somebody's new restaurant, you know, that we, we've known the chef or this GM for a while. And, and this is like his place. So it'll be fun to go see. Um, it could be a special menu, um, but we often group one, like I will see this group throughout the week in various weeks, not always together, but we'll we'll try and get each other into cool things that are happening. Nice. Love that. So um, if you see any any uh, four foodies around team, just, just be, be careful. Yes. But we don't bite. You can come up and say hi. What would be your biggest piece of advice for anyone who's looking to follow in your footsteps? Uh, I had this question earlier this week and many times before. Um, I Be consistent. Uh, there's so many people who start things, whether it's a food blog or Instagram account, whatever. You just have to keep doing it because giving up and, and stopping and not, you know, um, I think you now receive my weekly newsletter. It goes out every Friday. And if, if you could count on anything for me, like you can count on that and it, it'll have what it has in it. Um, I also think that, and when I've lectured at um, University of Middlesex, one of the universities here, and they, there was a journalism class. And I think there's a huge gap in the market for other languages that aren't being met. So I'm American and a product of the American school system. I only speak English. If you're out there and you have another language, amazing. Do something with that, because I do think that there's a huge gap for all the many languages that are in this country. If you were writing like I was writing or posting content, 
for people not only that live here that are, but could also be inbound. Um, I think that if you were consistent and you had a, a voice, um, either that was in another, another language or a demographic, maybe that's not being met, you'd see wild success, even this late in the market. So I've got two more questions for you. Yes. Number one, it's related to, to what you've just said uh, in, in regards to the advice and, and being yourself. Um, you said earlier about uh, opinions and being true to yourself. Um, now, we're in a world where everyone is very sensitive nowadays. Um, so how, how, would you, how would you say to someone who wants to start being a, a critic or a food blogger or writer to, to review various different restaurants? Um, what would you say to them about you know, p- putting their own voice out there? Um, like any skill... Uh, you know, if you if you think of the 10,000 hours or anything like that, you're just going to have to do it consistently. So you need to start. You can start with something as small as a cafe. You don't have to be spending tons of money. Um, but I've seen people start late but have, uh, you know, a voice um, that gets noticed. And even though they might have a limited number of followers, they're getting invites. If you want to get invites, if that's your ultimate thing, great. Uh, for me, it's more being a resource rather than, yes, I get paid to write for magazines and that's fine. But I'm also a place where, um, you know, people often ask, I'm going out for dinner, where should I go? And then that's a very big question. So I need to know some parameters around that. Uh, but for, for people, yeah, just, just really your voice can, you can't just write a review you know, once a month and expect that skill to grow. Um, you know, you really need to put some time into it. And and I think that's why dining at restaurants where there's multiple courses, it gives you more to write about. So if I go to KFC or McDonald's and I eat there, yeah, that's a consistent food product. There's not much I can really say about that. That is what that is. Uh, but if you go to something maybe before anyone else goes, you know, that's what I used to do when I was really working on the blog, um, I'd be scanning through and I'd be like, ooh, can I get in there first? Or do I know a chef? Or some, something to put me, my USP, um, to be at the front of that. Um, I think that you would see success as well. Um, and then if you're paying, you know, be as constructive or as, as deliberate as you want to be, there's nothing wrong with that because it's not cheap to dine out in Dubai. Uh, my husband got a shock. He went out not with me and he was like paying the bill. And he's like, and everyone at the table thought it was a good price. And he was like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like this much money. And um, I sometimes have to remind myself that, you know, I am very fortunate and I am invited. So I think even more so the people that are paying, um, um, they have, you know, the right to say whatever they want. That being said, um, I'm thinking of a certain person that, they go to places before anyone else. Their pictures are terrible. So do invest a little time. There's great online courses. There are free online courses. Um, I have a ring light that constantly people are like, where did you get that? And I'm like, it is literally 20 dirhams at Dragon Mart. It will make all my pictures look that much better because my job is to make the kitchen look good. And if the kitchen's put time into a dish, the least I can do is light it for them. Um, you know, if you can't do that, go during the day. Natural light's amazing. You know, there's so many things, but you have to keep doing it. And when I look back at my pictures from 2016, like, yeah, it's embarrassing. And it's not like technology's changed all that much. Like, I still use the same basic kit that I've been using for four years. 
um, you just kind of have to, to work with it. But everything's in the details. Yes. Details, 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 right? Yeah. So, and then from from all of the restaurants that you've dined, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure there have been many. Yes. What restaurants or food types would you like to see in Dubai that you have not had? See, I love a collaboration and we're trending towards that. And um, so to me, it's more like what a win for diners when, you know, this favorite chef from this place and this favorite chef from this place come together. Um, it's not always successful. So it, I think there that it does need some work. But I, how about this? I would, in my perfect world, we would get like a 20 or 30 seat, like super fine dining, you know, restaurant. Yes. But I don't, I don't, I don't. That is definitely missing here. <laughs> okay. But I don't, I, again, to me, it's about the intimacy and it's about, we don't have that space. So Trust and Studio, again, is is the best example and that people haven't heard of it, even though I've been like a lot. Um, I, they did a great menu last summer. The price point was ridiculous. And so many people went and they were like, this is incredible. I was like, yeah, it is. And, and you know what? You don't have to love every course. 15 courses are a lot of courses. You can still just go and enjoy that whole experience. So I like that sort of intimate four-hour experience. I probably represent 0.001 of the market. So to me, it's more that that it's like a whole, it would be the experience of a small, um, it doesn't, it wouldn't even be tied to one cuisine. Really just, I want to have more places like that where you get to, chefs get to try crazy things and, you know, what's seasonal or what's, you know, what's happening, or maybe they invite people in. And, you know, I think there's a reason why um, Trust and Studios sold out in 24, 48 hours for these meals that they're having. Hey, market, pay attention. Like there is an appetite for that, pun intended. (laughs) I like it. Love love, love a good pun. Now, where can people see what you are doing, uh, whether it's on social media or they want to get hold of you? How can they do that? So um, I'm at Atazatar, A-T-O-Z-A-A-T-A-R, across pretty much everywhere. Uh, So Instagram is probably where I'm the most active. I'm on TikTok trying and failing. Um, My author stuff is all linked in Atazatar. So I think probably the best way for you to get um, my voice is the newsletter that goes out every Friday, the weekly A to Z. Uh, and that's linked in my bio on my Instagram page. So I, I, it's a lot of fun. And I know a lot of people read it, which makes me really happy to hear chefs and C-level people like stop me and be like, oh, I loved it this week. And I'm, oh, great, you're reading it. Because it's a place where I can, it's more than a blog and less than a blog and more than an Instagram. So I can do links that matter to me. I think it's a space where, not political, but I can I can go beyond just, I can go into sustainability and I can be fun and talk about, I just posted something about peeps. You know what I mean? Like there's there's a place for all of it there. And then I can talk about every place, every, all the places I went in a week in a very short version. So that goes out every Friday. Well, well, look, it has been amazing to discuss all of these things. First of all, from 2007, with all of the books that you have done. Atazata, of course, is a hugely successful blog, and people do read it from all over the world, and it's really interesting and fantastic. Your passion into how you got into food and travel, Copenhagen, of course. Um, insights into dining in the best restaurants in the world, top 50, things that make great food writers and understanding food. Your food memories are really incredible. Love that. 
funniest funniest restaurant incidents. Um, and I love the the top three culinary or, or journalist giants because it is about your group of friends and not necessarily, um, you know, giants, giants who are in the industry. Uh, I actually also, um, three, year, three, four years ago, I went to Moscow with Himanshu on a, on a foodie trip, but we'll talk about that offline. Okay. Okay. Um, and then... <laughs> Advice for everybody, uh, which is, again is absolutely fantastic on how to find your voice. Um, so, really, Courtney, thank you so much for being here. And on behalf of the Chef JKP podcast, it's been an absolute pleasure to host you and have you on. Thank you so much. Courtney was an absolute joy to interview. Her passion for food and for chefs is simply infectious. She truly knows and understands what it takes to be at the very top of the restaurant industry. Make sure to subscribe to her blog. All of the information will be in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe. Tell your friends, family, cat, dog, whatever pet you may have to subscribe to the Chef JKP podcast. And whilst we're on the subject, it is available on all podcast streaming services. So make sure to leave a five-star review. Thank you to our partners, Golf Food and Meals.me, our guests, and as always, you, the beautiful listeners. Until next time, food is memories. Memories.